0: This semester uh we're gonna start with something that I think is crucial and uh I'm really surprised we haven't done this before. We've done a lot this a lot with a lot of some of you one on one and many of you know this material already, but I think this kind of discussion will be incredibly helpful, even if you have already done it before. Okay? So this is our discipleship booklet we do with we try to run with everybody who comes to through Cross Impact. At least we try to get with you. Some of you uh haven't done it before, some of you have. But Mine is looking rough because it's been through a whole lot of discipleship mm-hmm. studies. Um, so it's a well worn, it's kind of like, it's a good sign when you have a well worn discipleship book. Does everybody have a copy? We have plenty. I ran off extra copies. You need one? Um, what you, if you could do is you could go ahead right now and put your name on the inside flap. You need one? Ow. Two. Put your name on the inside flap so that. Um, I mean, we will have, uh, so that we won't lose it. And if we do lose it, we can find you and say, hey, you lost your book. Let me check something. Now, usually there's a clicker in here. Do we not have it? Usually in the uh, pen container. In the, in this, in the, the one container? container? Maybe. That way Sabrina won't have to sit there and, you see it. What did you say again? It's usually in this black index. Card holder. In the black index card holder, but it's not. It's probably in Albert's car. That's okay. Uh, I'll just roll with it. It'll be fine. I have. I can control. I think I can control from up here. We'll see. Oh, this, yes, it's working. Very good. All right. Uh, so what we're going to do is take your Bible. I hope you bring your Bible. If you don't, you should probably have one on your phone. Um, we're going to start right off the bat. I want to uh, introduce this idea to you. Um, if you go to just open your book right at the very beginning, I'm not going to read the to the student thing because that really just tells you a little bit about the Bible in case you've never read the Bible before. The Bible has the New Testament, and the Old Testament it has verses and chapters. It has uh, it's the way you can find uh, books in the Bible if you don't know where they are. There's an index in the front, or you can uh, on your phone. A lot of times you can scroll through and you can find the books there. It's a whole lot easier to find books with with a with a, um, with a Bible. Uh, I mean, with a uh, with a phone on Bible app on your phone. It really is. You have to have a Bible. That's kind of the key, right? Um, But let me go through here. Let me see if I got. Yes, let's go one more, if you don't mind. Um, I like the way this is put at the beginning of our introduction. Here it says, "Nobody likes to be fooled. We all want to know the truth." There's nothing worse than uh, your older brother, your younger brother, older sister, younger—you're probably older, not usually younger—but an older sibling fooling you, making you feel stupid. You ever done it before? to your younger brother or sister, like made them feel really dumb, made them believe something. Uh, one time uh, when I was taking a mission trip up to New York City with a group of uh, teenagers, I was in college, and I was a chaperone or a helper on this mission trip. It wasn't my church. I was an a intern. And we got there on top of the Empire State Building. We're looking over New York City. It was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, and this girl was standing there, and she was a, a senior in high school, so about 17, 18 years old. So she uh, was relatively smart. And we were sitting there talking about things, and I said, uh, and I just, I just, I don't know what got into me, but I, I I said, you know what? I said, this is incredible. We're on top of the Empire State Building here on the 82nd or 102nd or whatever, top floor, you know. Isn't this amazing? And she's like, yeah, this is pretty cool. I said, just to think, this is where King Kong was back in the day. And she looked at me, and she said, what? I said, you know, have you seen the movie where King Kong, the big gorilla, you know, climbed up Empire State Building and they had planes flying around trying to shoot him down? And she looked at me and she was like, "I thought I thought that was just a movie." I was like, "No, no." <laughs> and I looked down, and no joke. You were telling last As I looked down in front of me, where there was like the, the information thing where they tell you how tall things are, and they had like a little sketch of the Empire State Building and told you how high you were up off the ground. There was a picture of King Kong. On the sketch. I'm not even kidding. I didn't even see it before I was talking. And so I said, Yeah, see, look like, look at that. And she looks at it and she goes, Well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> this poor girl, I had her going. And I and then I, I just started laughing because I was like, I couldn't hold it. I could not believe how how she just fallen for it. She felt so terrible. She was fooled. And after you get fooled, there's this horrible feeling. You just feel stupid. And so many people walk through life and they've been buying into things. People have told them things; they've just accepted. They've not even thought about it. And nobody likes to be fooled. The question is, what is the truth? Nobody likes to be fooled. Everybody wants to know the truth. In fact, and, and on the verse there, on the side, there are some verses that um, kind of reflect what we're talking about here. Uh, Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea, actually asked this very question, question of Jesus. He says, "What is truth?" And philosophers and theologians have asked these questions uh, throughout the ages. If I can go to that next slide. Um, yet, even though we might want to know the truth, the Bible says that people have a tendency to change God's truth to lies and that there will be a time when people will turn away from the truth and instead begin to follow fables or myths. So how can you tell the difference between a lie and the truth? How can you tell the difference between a myth and what God means as truth? Because the honest truth, is, there's a lot of different religions out there, even a lot of them that claim to follow the Bible, but they all don't. How would you know the difference? between truth and myth? Is it just what you think? Is it just what you imagine in your head? What you suppose? You go to the scriptures and see what it says. So let's keep going here a little bit longer. God's word, the Bible, claims to be truth. It does not claim to contain all the truth about all subjects. Obviously, you don't study chemistry out of the Bible, right? But it claims to speak the truth on every issue it addresses. If God says something about a subject, it's true. God is the God of truth. And this study exposes eight common myths about God, the Bible, and you. So we're going to invite you to examine each myth and what God says about it. We encourage you to be like the people of Berea during the New Testament era. They were described as noble because they were willing to hear what the Bible said and to read it for themselves to see if it was really true. And this is what's important and what I love about this study is the whole point is I'm going to ask you to look up Bible passages, to read them for yourself, and you tell me what the Bible going to I'm not going to tell you ahead of time. We're not going to poison the well, so to speak. We're going to ask you. To, uh, to deal with this directly. Keep going. One more. Don't be fooled. Don't believe in myths. Examine for yourself what God has said and you can know the truth. Let's keep going. We're going to do lesson one here together. And here's the kind of the idea, uh, what I'd like for you guys to, to try to do. I'd like for you guys to try to do this study throughout the week if you get a chance. Take some time in the morning, read your Bible, have some quiet time with God. Sorry. And as you're doing that, maybe you can take this book out and you can look at some scriptures. Um, So let's have somebody, uh, let's look at the truth and the myth of this first lesson. Keep going. One more. The myth is what? Who can read the myth for us nice and loud? What's the myth that some people have about God? I can't know God. He is far away. and personal. Okay, it's impossible. I can't know God. He's too far away. He's impersonal. But what's the truth? God has revealed himself and has provided you with everything you need to know his purpose. Okay, so I love this story at the beginning. Who's a good reader and can try to read this first uh, paragraph? All right, I'll get us started. I mean, I can do it. I'm not a good reader. Okay, why don't you try? It? I, do it. I want you, um, Maddie. not you to start, and then Grace, you pick up. And when I talk, why are you saying try? Is it supposed to be hard? No, it's not hard. Read with, read with meaning. Okay, <laughs> A teacher asked his class one day to describe what they thought his father looked like. One by one, the students described how they thought his father looked according to the teacher's appearance. Because the teacher was tall and dark-skinned, they assumed his father was the same. Because the teacher had brown eyes, they assumed his father had brown eyes. After making guesses about the father, the teacher revealed a photograph of him that surprised them all. Contrary to what seemed <coughs> possible, the teacher's father was short, light-skinned, and had blue eyes. Okay, so let's start there, and Mark is going to kind of jump to the point here, because so I don't want to spend too much time. The, the illustration is this. Just because you think you know what God is like does not mean you know what God is like. Okay, you might think you know what my dad looks like, but unless you actually meet my dad, how do you know what he looks like? He looks like your mom. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. The, the point still stands, in order to know somebody, you have to know them uh, personally. Turn to page, let's talk at number one. Um, who wants to look up uh, uh, the Romans chapter... Uh, ten verse seventeen. It says, "In order to know God, you must have faith." What does Romans ten seventeen tell you about faith? You guys can be reading a lot of scripture passages. No, it's best to look it up first. Yes, Annabelle. Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So, in order to know God, you must have faith. Where does what does that tell you about faith? What does this passage tell you about faith? Good. So, you have this. Ooh. That's not good. (laughs) I don't know if this is going to work. I was going to draw... Nope. Oh well, we'll get this eventually. Let's try to go this way. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith... Comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So the word is is important. The word is the central part from where we come. But you can't have faith without the word. Okay. So what I what I put in that blank is faith comes from hearing. Hearing comes from God's word. You hear God's word, and through God's word, you can have faith. So I'm not saying for you to have like the Disney kind of faith. Believe in yourself. You know, you ever been to the Shamu thing where it's all about believe? Just you know, experience. Faith, you know, Shamu, Shamu, whatever. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I love this here. I love this here. Where is it? Um, the word faith means what? Trust. Trust. Or confidence. Faith does not mean believing something that you can't prove. Okay, faith is mer- mean, merely, sorry, <laughs> merely true, trust or Confidence. God has revealed himself to man, but man cannot know God unless he trusts what God has told him about himself and his word, the Bible. When I can explain faith is like this. Faith is like, well, have, you, have you ever been, um, who, who has been uh, uh, skydiving? My sister. My sister has, but any of you guys it's been? Going. When? When? my grandma skydiving. was <laughs> taking all the room. That sounds like fun. Skydiving, If yeah. let's just pretend like Lindsay is a going skydiving tomorrow. Lindsay's going skydiving tomorrow. She gets in that plane. Did you pack your own parachute for this skydiving magic? No. no, you didn't pack your own parachute. Someone else packed it for you. Why? You do it wrong, it doesn't work. Because if you do it wrong, it doesn't work. And, but would but you want to pack it so you know it's done right? I don't know how to do it. Because you don't know how to do it. That's exactly right. So because, <laughs> well, because I don't know how to do it either. I'm not an expert in parachute packing. I have to have confidence that somebody else is an expert in parachute packing. They know what they're doing, so I'm going to trust that when they have packed the parachute, they've done it properly. So that when I jump out of the plane, I can actually pull the, the chute and it will come up. And I trust that someone else has done it properly. Does that make sense? I, can I prove they've done it properly? Well, yeah, when you open it. <laughs> exactly. No, that's exactly the point. How do you prove that faith? How do you prove that faith is is real? Is that when you? When you trust in that thing, it it holds. All of you sat in your chair tonight and you had faith in that chair. You didn't think about it. You just kind of sat down because you've been in chairs before. You kind of know that they generally work. Now, some of you might have had struggles in the past, like breaking chairs. I don't know. I'm not going to point any fingers. Don't embarrass anybody. But say that you have broken chairs before. You might be a little more skeptical. Faith is, is merely trusting something. Okay, it's confidence. And, and what atheists often say, they say, well, faith is, is insufficient because faith means it's something you can't trust. It's something you can't prove. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible calls faith something. It's trust. It's confidence. We're not going to spend too much more time on that. But let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Okay. Does that mean you're going to read it? Well, let's read Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, and answer the following questions. Go ahead. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy ha- never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so according to this verse, or these verses, where do the Scriptures not come from? More specifically... Yeah. <laughs> Interpretation. Okay. Prophet's interpretation. Keep keep reading. There's something. There's a there's a phrase in there that I think is really important. Okay, well, I don't got it now. The, the the will of men, which is the same as men basically, but it means something a little added, and that is the desire of men. Will means desire, right? If I say it's it, it, I will. It means I desire. In fact, your last will and testimony means your last desire, your last desires that you set in order, your last will. So man's will is not what causes the Bible. It's rather God's will. And here's the verse. No prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. I like how that's placed. Men were moved by the Holy Spirit I'm sorry, men moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Another question here says, uh, where do scriptures come from and by what method? God through Holy Spirit. Okay, that's the method, right? I said God. From God? Through Holy Spirit. Okay, good. I answered both questions. Using people, God used yeah, them. it's it's men. God used men to write the Bible. Maybe women, too. There might have been... We don't really know. Some of the Psalms, maybe Hebrews. We don't know, but probably uh, God's people, moved by the Holy Spirit. That's the method. The word "moved," I really like. It has the picture of a sailboat on the water being pushed or moved. Okay, it's it's not. Uh, it, it's gently guided like this. It's the force behind that. Have you ever read your Bible and and? Um, if you get to really know your Bible, you read Paul and you, you 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 appreciate his humor, you appreciate how he writes, but you also read John and you appreciate his dynamic meaning and all these different things going on in John. They're different. God used men, he didn't just speak out of heaven or drop a leather bound book, you know, out of the sky and somebody caught it and they're like, oh, Well, this must be from God. Um, Yeah, can you imagine? The people wrote in their context. They wrote to certain people. They wrote in their language, and God used them, and He moved them, and they spoke uh, from God by the Holy Spirit. So, how can we be confident in what God has said about Himself? I think I put this verse up. I'm not sure. Yeah, oh, I did. Um, who has Second Timothy three sixteen? It's not in your book, but it all, really ought to be. All scripture, all scripture okay, slow down there, Grace, and can you say it one more time? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God; it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is inspired by God, or is given by inspiration of God. The word "inspired," and it says that in your box means God breathed. That's literally what it means in the Greek language. It's theo. Are you taking Greek this yes. year? Theos, it means God. Pneustos means breath. Pneuma, really, it's breath. Uh, pneumatos, I don't know if it means anything to you, but God breathed. <laughs> Not yet. So we get, are we getting our word pneumonia from that? P-N-E-U-M-O-N-I, or pneumatic tools, P-N, the beginning... Uh, starts with a P, but that that, for that root, pneuma, is the word breath. And so it's okay. saying that God, what? Or wind, or air. Question. What's that? It was an irrelevant question. Irrelevant? Okay. But God breathed out the word of God itself. It, it comes from God. It's not just man's idea. The spirit of God exerts supernatural influence of the writings. Therefore, scripture is trustworthy. Now, the next, um, we have about five minutes or more. We're running out of time. Ten minutes. Awesome. I think we can get through this. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to um, cover these next verses. And I'm going to just delegate these verses out. Because um, what we're going to do now is, since the Bible is trustworthy, we're going to see what the Bible tells us about who God is. Remember our illustration at the beginning about the teacher and the father? we, We have to look at the scriptures, which were given by God, to tell us what God is like. Because some of you have different and wrong views of God. Let me explain. Some people think of God... Like Santa Claus. Okay? Santa Claus comes around once a year, and what's he do? Gives. Well, only if you're good. Good little boys and girls get gifts, and bad little boys and girls get coal in their socks. Somehow, even the bad boys and girls end up getting gifts. But, you know, that's the story, right? Santa Claus, happy. He's not going to, he doesn't really have a sense of holiness or anything like that. He just gives stuff to people, right? Some people think of God like a tyrant, like Joseph Stalin. Right? He's, or Zeus, right? He's using his power to strike you down. Every time you want to do something, God says no. And God makes life miserable to those people. Some people think of God as being completely disconnected. Like, just not around. Like that dad who you never, ever saw growing up. Okay, that's how you think of God. He's just not around. He's always, he's always doing something else with somebody, for somebody else, but never for you. Okay? People have wrong views of God. So let's look at who God is in these verses. All right, who who can read, who feels comfortable reading? Just raise your hand. We're going to need a lot of volunteers. Psalm twenty-two twenty-eight. Uh, can you read one. Uh, Psalm twenty-five eight. Psalm eighty-six five. Laura, uh, Psalm eighty-six ten. Kayla ninety-two. Psalm ninety-two. Um, uh, Augustine, Psalm ninety-two fifteen. Jenna. Psalm 99, 9. Annabelle, if you could do Psalm 116, verse 5. And Lindsay, Psalm 19.68. You guys want to do any? Jamel, if you could do Psalm 135, verse 6. I'm going to try Lindsay. Psalm 139. I'm sorry, 145, verse 3. I'll take 139, 125. And we'll do that. All right, let's see what the Bible says about who God is. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-eight. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and He rules over all nations. Okay, if you had your pen and you had to fill in that blank, what would you say this verse tells you about who God is? He's omnipotent. What does that word mean? Omnipotent. Omnipotent means all-powerful. Good. Um, there's, yeah, there's a word. There is a concept here, not just that He's powerful, <laughs> but that He actually has authority. Have you guys read the Narnia books? Yes. Okay, remember the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe? Yes. Okay, I was reading this to the kids, and I was struck by, there's a phrase in there where the white witch is ruling over Narnia, and they say, yes, she is ruling, but she's not the true king. And I like that, because that's kind of what's going on here, is that God has the authority. He's the one who has the authority to rule. It's not just that he's powerful, like the white witch who's powerful to do what she wants. God actually is the rightful king. He's the one who deserves because he's our Creator. Uh, next, he's a sovereign ruler. Good. Next, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. How would you describe God? Good. Okay. Good. Upright. Upright. And what is a demonstration of his goodness and his uprightness? That he's instructing sinners. In the way. What else could he do with sinners? Sinners are people who offend Him. When we think of sinners, we think of us. In God's perspective, sinners are people who have looked at Him and have uh, been root, have been vile to God. Have said, "I don't care what you think." Have been offensive to God. But then comes someone, where someone were to come up to you and insult you to your face, aggressively, give you the finger, say something really angry to you. Uh, the temptation for the human being is to do what? Same. <laughs> Respond in kind. It depends. I mean, who you are, right? But uh, it might be you. You lash out, angered by, by your words. It might be that you call the cops. It might be that you punch them. Whatever. But not to to instruct them with kindness, and that's what God does. God is good. He is upright. He is a good God. He is not evil. He's not wicked. He's good. Um, let's do another one. Who at the next? okay what what's the dynamic here if you had to write down on your sheet there forgive. good he, he, he again is good and he kind of describes how god is good in that he is ready to forgive okay he's sitting there ready waiting for you to, for you to come And abundant in loving kindness. Loving kindness, what does that word mean? Isn't that covenant love? Yeah, this is a really important word. And I'm using the New American Standard Bible, depending on what translation you use. This word is translated differently. If you're using the English Standard, it's translated steadfast love. Um, King James is translated mercies. I'm not sure about the NIV, what it's translated. But the idea is covenant, it's God's covenant love. Can you look that up and tell me? Um, it's the idea of a a love that you you promise to someone. It's not just emotional, like, I'm in love with someone. It's this idea of you make a commitment, and you're going to follow through with that. yes just as abounding in love. Abounding in love, just general love. This is not just plain love. This is the, uh, this is a very special kind of love that God shows towards his people. Yes, ma'am? Mm-hmm. Loyal love. That's a good way of putting it. Loyal love. Um the Hebrew word for that, if you want to write it down, is chesed, has said, chesed. It's very important. Uh, chesed. A um, couple more, and then we'll close up shop or we'll uh, transition to the next thing. What's the next one? Psalm eighty-six, ten. For you are great and do you wondrous deeds. You alone are God. What else we find out about God? He's great. He's great. It's not just that. Hey, they're great. You know, it's not- <laughs> It's not that at all. Okay, that's that's so cheapens the idea. Great has this idea of of weightiness, of seriousness, of of magnitude. Of you know, you're looking at the Rocky Mountains and you say those are great. You're at Grand Canyon and you say this is magnificent. Okay, that's the idea. He has wondrous deeds. He alone is God. There is no other God except our God. That's it. Mm It doesn't matter who who you are. It doesn't matter what you follow. It doesn't matter what you think. He alone is we got a couple more. I think we can plow through. Psalm 92. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from ever on, they everlasting to everlasting, you are God. What do you find here? Everlasting. Okay. It's everlasting. He's original. The original. Okay. The ring. Say that one more time. The ring. The ring that goes around in circles. Eternal. Yeah. Oh, not the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the of the Rings. Wandering ring to rule them I in the darkness, it. fighting them. No. Um, before the mountains were born, think about this, guys. Before the mountains were born, you gave birth to the earth and the world. He's created. He is creator. Oh. Right? He created. Yes, he's eternal. He created everything. What did he create? He created the world. He created the ground you're walking on. He created you. He created all the elements. He created time. Before time, God was. First words in the Bible in the beginning, God. And God created. You know, before anything else existed, God existed. He exists. He'll exist long after everything is gone. It's just mind boggling. Him yeah, and Jesus in the beginning? The yeah, the Holy Spirit as well, the Trinity. The Trinity of Peter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not just speaking of God the Father. Speaking of God as a person. Okay. Lastly, let's finish up with this one, and then we'll transition. Should wear my What do you get from this? Upright, He's righteous. He's upright. There's no unrighteousness in him. There's something in there I really want you to look at, though. Unwavering. He is what? He's a rock, but he is. He's never wrong. He's my my. <laughs> He's my rock. Oh my precious. <laughs> and I too. You guys got to get your, your mind out of Lord of the Rings for a second here. <laughs> all right. Think. What is a rock? This is not a pebble. This is a boulder. This is a gigantic rock that is solid in the midst of a storm. We see all, those, all the waters raging in, in, in Houston right now. If you're holding on to something that is floating, that's not good. But if you hold on to something solid, that's good. And, and he is the rock in the midst of all the tumultuous things going on. And he's not just a rock. And you guys, everyone does this. Everyone, not just you guys. But everyone's like, well, he is a rock. And he is, there's no unrighteousness in him. And he's upright. But, but that's not what he's saying. He, yes, he is saying that. But the point he's making, above all else, is that he's my rock. That, that he belongs to me. That this God is not just a God out there somewhere who's disconnected. But he's actually connected to me. He made me. He, he thinks about me he cares about me that is huge mm-hmm. and that makes such a difference when you go to him in prayer and you can think this is my God who loves me who cares for me who, who wants me to have fellowship with him and he is my solidity he's my rock he's what I can hold on to he will not move he will not change so we, we don't have time to do the rest thank you for those who volunteer to do the rest but what you want you to do is if you, as you have time read through the rest of this we're going to finish this next week and then we'll go on to chapter two. Start on chapter two and try to finish it if you can, because or lesson two, I should say. These things will help you get solid in your understanding of who God is. And even if you've done this twenty times, I mean, I've done this probably a hundred times, and every time I do it, I feel like I learned something or get something. So please, please, please do this, and don't, don't uh, uh, just say oh, I'm, I'm going to put it aside. It will help you, and will draw you closer to the Lord. Thank you.